Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Amen. How are we doing? I'm going to read you something. This is really cute. All right. Dear Pastor Jim, I am thankful for this church. Um, here is what I am thankful for about it. Now, this is from a little girl. Pastors, you guys, all right, the loving support through hard times, the people, the worship, to be here. Thankful being part of this, being prayed over. <laughs> How cool is that? Hmm? <laughs> Let me see. I don't think she's in here. I don't want, I don't want to embarrass her. You, I would embarrass in a heartbeat. I just, I, Peyton Folk wrote this and put this on my chair up here. And it is so precious and it is so cute. And that will definitely go in one of my files. Amen? All right. Let's get into the Word. Come on. Let's get into the Word. Before I get into the Word, let me say this to you. Um, I was able to, I came over to the um, Daughters Conference on Friday evening. Yes, I'm a guy. I snuck in. All right. I, I always do this. I kind of wait till worship's over. Then I sneak in the back and I sit back there and I listen to the speakers and I get out of here. All right. Because I just want to come and I want to see. It was amazing. There was like 260 women here. All right. It was just an amazing crowd. Uh, Bethany, great job putting it together, organizing it, your heart for what you want to see developed in the ladies. I commend you. I thank you. And um, what you said that night was very, very good as well. And uh, so, so just... You know, this thing started as a little thing a few years ago in your heart, and it's amazing what God does when somebody gives, when God gives somebody a passion to do something. And so thank you. Tabby, where's Tabby? Tabby, 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 Tabby. She was here. I saw her earlier. Oh, she preaching over, what's that? okay, all right, I had saw her earlier. Tabby did a great job of preaching and sharing the word. And so when you see these ladies, tell them what a great job they did, and thank them for their effort into this, amen? All right. I want to speak to you today, Today, I'm going to take us, last week for Resurrection Sunday, I took us on a journey to the Old Testament, through the Old Testament tabernacle, and brought you into the New Testament tabernacle, I mean, which is in heaven. And I took you on a journey, and I brought you to a place where I believe the resurrection is a picture of the holy, of the, a picture of our high priest coming back out of the most holy place after he offered the blood and what it meant to us. And so I took you on that journey and the ramifications it has for our life. What I want to do today is I'm going to actually take you into the book of Revelation. And what I'm going to do in the book of Revelation is I want to show you, um, if I can, um, a picture, what I would call after Calvary. All right? Um, and so if you would, turn with me, Revelation chapter 5, and um, I'm going to call this today, I've, I've decided to call this Beyond the Tomb, okay? Beyond the Tomb, seeing yourself through the throne room. And this is a very important message this morning, and I'm going to ask you to kind of try to arrest all your attention, and let's, let's be interested in the Word of God, and, and let's just shake off any doldrums we might have, and shake off the sadness of me having to open up the camper yesterday, and some of you are not cooperating. Beyond the tomb, seeing ourselves through the throne room. 
Revelation chapter 5 tells, begins like this. Let's take a look, look at it. Revelation 5 begins. John has this picture in heaven. And I got to get there. I'm not there yet. My, my computer is not cooperating. This is when you should not preach from computers. It says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Let me stop there. Father, bless your word this morning. Bring it real to our hearts and we can walk out of here knowing who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. And so I want you to look at this for a moment. This portion of Scripture, these first four verses, talks about this scene that John sees in the throne room of heaven. And it's prior, let's, let's look at it like this for just a moment. Prior to Calvary, prior to the grave, okay, the Bible says that God has a plan for the world. How many believe that today? All right, God had a plan for humanity. We can actually look back in creation and we can see that God had a plan for you and I, for humanity, clear back in creation. He creates man in his image. He gives him authority. He gives him dominion. He meets all of his needs. Man only needs to walk in obedience to continue to walk in the plan of God. Man falls. With that fall comes a loss of identity, comes a loss of authority, comes a loss of dominion, comes a loss of dignity. But here's the great thing about our incredible God. God, listen to me, how many know God is not willing to allow you to stay in a fallen place? If you get nothing else today, out of and nothing else I say, I want to remind you this. God is not willing, nor does he desire to allow you to stay in a fallen place. You may have fallen, but may tell you about my incredible, redemptive God. He's always looking to help you get back up. He's always helping to pick you back up. He always wants you to get back up again. I love my God. How many, I, I got three little grandkids living at the house and they're riding bikes all the time. Sometimes they fall. You know what I do when they fall? Stay down there. Don't you get up. You fell, you stay there. How many know we don't do that nonsense? And God doesn't do that nonsense. When you fall, you know what he's saying? Come on, get up. I'll help you. I'll heal you. Trust me. I'll scrape it off. I'll rub the dirt off. I'll put a Band-Aid on it. Get up. And so if I don't preach anything else today, God says, get up today. But God had a plan. But this plan would be something that would be unfolding for centuries. All right? that God had a prophetic plan for humanity. The only problem was his plan could not be executed until the fullness of time. Although it was written by God, the Bible says it had to be put in effect by a mediator. It had to be inaugurated. The plan had to be put into effect by someone who was the image of fallen man, yet wasn't fallen man. Until that happened, God's plan would kind of lay dormant the prophetic destiny would kind of lay unopened. The plan would kind of go unrealized. The fullness of God's plan could not be put into place without a mediator, without someone who was worthy. So now let me continue. So that what happens is he, they begin to say, who is worthy to break the seals? They're looking for somebody. Anybody want to volunteer this morning? Good. I'm telling you what it'll cost you. 
your life, right? Who is worthy? Now watch this. There's a search looking for somebody who was found worthy enough to open up the scroll, to break the seals. And the Bible says, but no one on heaven or on the earth or under the earth could open the scroll. That tells us the father of faith, Abraham, could not open the scroll. That tells us that Israel, Jacob, Israel, could not open the scroll. The great Moses could not open the scroll. The great King David who cut the head off the giant. The man after God's own heart could not open the scroll. Solomon, the wisest man of the earth, couldn't open the scroll. None of the prophets could open the scroll even though they had the word of God. Now stick with me, I'm setting this up this morning. Without a worthy intercessor, the plan of God would go unopened. No preacher, no pastor, no politician could make it happen. And the effect, look at the effect of an unfulfilled plan of God. The Bible says John wept and he wept and he wept over this plan that would go unfulfilled. Sorrow, despondency. You know there's a lot of people living today in sorrow because of the unfulfilled plans of God in their lives. But this weeping goes on. Now all of a sudden, it transitions. And what happens is one of the elders looks at him and says, stop weeping. He says, then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. And he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. And it had seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out to the earth. Now let's stop and look at this for a minute. All right? I'll tell you what, these lights are hot some days. <laughs> I had Jamie up here last week, and Jamie said, dude, those lights are hot. Yes, they are. You think I'd lose more weight up here preaching. Now watch. He's, he says, don't weep. Stop. Listen to me this morning. The idea behind the cessation of weeping is because of what Christ did. The lion, the root, the conquering king, the lamb who overcame, the one with seven horns and seven eyes, which talks about omnipotence and omniscience. How many know he's the omnipotent one today? How many know he's the omniscient one today? All right. Now, when Jesus is revealed as the lion of the tribe of Judah, it reveals his deity. He's the true king. He's the one to whom belongs the long-awaited obedience of all the nations. All right. Yet, the funny thing is, it was not his forcefulness nor his power that made him worthy. It was his humility, and it was his meekness as a lamb. He was worthy. Jesus was worthy because he lived a perfect, sinless life, and he shed his blood, and he defeated sin and death. His death and resurrection resulted in a protection for his people and an eternal kingdom that will honor and worship God. Now, watch this. So, so here's where we're going to go this morning. What does that mean for you? You see, I want you to see for just a moment Jesus high and lifted up. The Bible says they saw the lamb in the center of the throne. How many know today he's on the throne? How many know the Bible says he came to earth he lived a life. He died on Calvary. He went into the tomb. He was raised again from the dead. And then he ascended to where? The throne of God. Where's he at today? He's at the throne of God. Now, I want you to see him as the lion who defeated darkness. I want you to see him as the king who defeated the giant. I want you to see him the lamb that was slain. 
the lamb that died for you, the lamb in the center of the throne, I want you to see him as the worthy one. Now, watch what happens. Then they be, now, as John saw this, then something happened. Watch this. Verse 9, and they sang. Verse 8, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Watch this. And they sang a new song. How many know this song had not been sung yet? How many know this song had been not been sung in the history of the world? Come on, think about this for a moment. They're going to sing a new song. The reason they're going to sing a new song is because a new thing had just happened. For centuries, they would kill a bull. They would kill a goat. For centuries, they would take that blood into the tabernacle or into the temple. For centuries, the same old, same old, same old. But all of a sudden, on this day, a new song arose in heaven. Think about that. But what does the song say? This is where it brings it to us. You see, this new song in heaven was a new song of creation. It was a new song based upon a new thing. It was a new song because it was based upon a new priest and a different kind of priest, a perfect priest. For centuries, you understand, no one was worthy to open up this scroll. A new thing happened, and they began that song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open the seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation. And you made them a kingdom and priests to serve our God. Now, here's where we go. Now, what does it all mean for you as we begin to view ourselves through this moment? You see, I want us to view ourselves through Calvary. But I also think we need to view ourselves through this throne room moment. Because it means some things about us. And let me take you through that this morning, all right? The first thing is this. You are living in an epoch of time that was set by God and inaugurated by Jesus. Do you, do you understand this morning the day and age in which you live? You live in a prophetic moment of God. You live in a moment that God has been planting. Do, do you know when God started planting this? Genesis 3. Genesis 3, that there will be a day where the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. That there will be a day when, and he promised all through the scripture, that there would be a day where he would dwell among his people. He would dwell in his people. We'd have new hearts. We'd have a new mind. The word of God be written upon us. That we are living in an epoch of time that was inaugurated by him. A moment God spoke through the prophets. It's a moment that Isaiah prophesied about. It's a moment that Jeremiah, Joel, and Ezekiel prophesied about. You're living in a day no one prior to Calvary lived in. You live in, listen to me. You live in a day better than Moses. You live in a day better than Abraham. You live in a day that came because of what Jesus did. You're living in a prophetic. You're living, you're living post-Calvary. You're living post-resurrection. You're not living in a time that is a cosmic coincidence. Praise God. How many know we don't live in a cosmic coincidence? 
You're living in a day and age dreamed of by God, inaugurated by Jesus, a day he planted for the redemption of his people. You see, let me show you what the Bible says in Galatians. Galatians says this, so also, while we were children, we were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. Bible says we were prisoners. But when the fullness of time came, when the moment was right, at the moment of God's choosing, God sent forth his son, born a woman, born under the law, so that he, Christ, might redeem those who were under the law, that we would receive the adoption as sons. Man, (laughs) we're living after the fullness of time. We have fullness because of what Jesus did in the fullness of time. All right? And, And what it does for us is, do you understand what it does is that we, I have confidence in this day because I don't believe this day is a coincidence on the calendar. I have confidence because I believe, because because God's prophetic past, I believe in God's prophetic present. Because I believe in God's prophetic past, I believe in God's prophetic future. It gives me confidence as I walk through life now that I'm walking in a moment that was ordained and set by God. You are living in a time set by God. But what it means is you are the redeemed of the Lord. Come on. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You're the redeemed of the Lord. Do you know what, you know what they said prior to Calvary? We are the atoned of the Lord for one more year. We are the atoned of the Lord. They killed the goat, they killed the bull, they took the blood in. I got another year under my belt. Next year we'll do the same thing. I am the atoned of the Lord. How many of you know the redeemed of the Lord sounds a whole lot better than the atoned of the Lord? Right? I am the redeemed of the Lord. Because the song said, what? That you purchased for God. You are the purchased of God. You were bought with a price. You're not the atoned of God. You're the purchased of God. You're not even the rented of God. <laughs> I mean, owning something is better than renting something. You know, when you own something, typically speaking, you take care of it. He didn't purchase me to let me go. He didn't purchase me to let me be destroyed. I'm the re- you are the redeemed of the Lord. <laughs> I love the fact that I can sing that Today, prior to Jesus, nobody could sing that. You're the redeemed of the Lord. Now watch what the song says. The song goes on, and it says this. And you made those that you purchased. So if I'm purchased, when I, when I buy something, how many know it's mine? You're not, you're, what, you guys are, you don't agree with me? I know what you're thinking. No, it's pennies. Well, that might be true. But when she's not around, it's mine. By the way, we got another dog in the house. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This little f- fluffy fur ball. You know why we got this little fluffy fur ball? Because Carson wanted a puppy. So now we got two. And you know what happens when you get, Carson gets a dog? Penny starts whining for a dog. She wants another dog. We don't need three stinking dogs in the house. When I buy something, it's mine, right? When you buy something, you consider it yours, right? And you pretty much have a right to do what you want with it, right? The Bible says we were purchased by his blood 
Watch what he did. Oh, and by the way, when he purchased you, he made you something. The Bible says that he made them kings and priests to serve God. There was a transaction that took place. There was a transition that took place. We went from being lost to redeemed to kings and priests. Now, let's take a look at this. So you are living in an epoch of time set by God. You are the redeemed, and you are a king born to be in the image of the king. All right? I, I didn't say it. The Bible says it. Let me give you some verses. Revelation chapter 1, verse 6. John says, and he made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to be him glory and dominion forever and ever. First Peter, John, you met from this in your prayer today. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you would proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. All right, listen to me for just a moment. But when people hear that word king, what do we think of? Yeah, we think of the fat cat on the throne. Everybody serve me. My wishes are your command. My command are your wishes. Everybody serve me. King of the castle. I tried that. It doesn't work. <laughs> you see, we have a noble calling. You see, because the Bible says when we're born anew from above, how many know we are now born of royal seed? When we are born anew from above through Jesus Christ, we are born of the same seed that comes out of him. And let me tell you something. We are royal by lineage. We are royal by lineage. But this is, this, this, your, buddy, let me show you this. But your noble calling isn't lived out in being served, but in serving. You, you see, because we get this notion of what a king is. Let me show you a king. Pick up the Gospels and read about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Look how he served humanity. Look how he served people. Look how he served his disciples. If you want to live as a king, you'll live in the image of the king who's Jesus Christ. You see, your noble calling. Let me show you, let me show you what James says. James says this. If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbors as yourself. You do well. Okay, let's just stop right there. How many of you wish there sometimes there were some scriptures not in the Bible? Yeah. It's like, well, come on. Like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's just love your neighbor as yourself thing. I just like to punch him in the face. Well, not my neighbors. I like my neighbors. I'm talking about your neighbors who want to punch you. <laughs> Listen to me. Let's be real for just a moment. You don't love everybody. I don't love everybody. Some days I just like some people more than others. Come on, can I get some real people in this house this morning? The fact of the matter is some of you are sitting there this morning harboring dislike towards somebody. And that somebody you're harboring dislike from is in this house right now. Some of you are holding grudges from 40 years ago. Get over yourself. The fact of the matter is the royal law of God is that we would love our neighbor as Ourself. Hmm. You, you see, your royal calling isn't lived out in the love of self. It's lived out in the love for others. Much of how we live life is in love of self. Can we be honest? Much of what we do, we live out in love of self, not love of others. Let me give you an image. See, when people hear about being king, some people think of this. All right? I don't know how well you can see that. See, fat guy on the throne, I qualify. 
All right, people serving him, people waiting on him. I'm the king. When it actually looks like this. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like to be a king in the kingdom. It's when you deny yourself, you pick up your cross, and you follow him. That's what it looks like to be a king. How do I know? Because that's what Jesus did. You are our king, and you have a royal calling. But it's not lived in the service of self. It's lived in the service of others. It's lived in the love of others. You see, you're a priest, but the Bible also says that he made you to be a priest, right? You're a priest born in the image of the priest. Now, whenever I was a youngster and I heard the word priest, this is what I thought of. Anybody else? How many today thought of that when I mentioned the word priest? Right? That's when you're like, I got this mental image of this priest. I could show you what I look like as a priest. I think my mother probably has pictures somewhere of me when I was an altar boy and had one of those stupid robes on. I was not a good altar boy. There, there was a time where you had, to, you, know, you had to sit. First of all, you had to sit still. That's not fun at all. And you sat back there, and then when they raised the Eucharist, how many of you got a Catholic background? And they raised the Eucharist, and when they raised the Eucharist, you as an altar boy had a little bell you had to ring. You know how many times I forgot to ring that bell? Like, oh, yeah, oops, oops. Oh, well, missed it. And then, and then they, remember, like, you've ever been to a Catholic funeral or places, and they do the incense? They wave that thing? Well, they should let us put the incense in the thing to light it up. You get it all fire? <laughs> just, just, okay. Sometimes we think of a priest, and this is what we think of when we hear that word. This is what it looks like. That's what it might, that's what it looks like. It's not about that. It's about serving others. You, you see, your priestly calling is not lived out in going to a service, but being in service. I'm glad you go to services, and we should go to services, and we should not forsake the gathering of ourselves with each other. But I want to tell you something. The totality of your service as a priest to God is not attending church on Sunday morning. That is not the fullness of it. It is not about living event to event to event. You see, your priestly calling is not lived out in offering sacrifices, but being a sacrifice. You see, how do I, you say, well, but, what do you, but, but why do you say this stuff? Because this is what Jesus did. You see, if we're going to get an image of what it means to be a king and a priest under God, we've got to go to the Gospels and look at what the king and priest look like. And what was his life? His life was not lived out in going to services. His life was not going, uh, about being served. His life was not about offering sacrifices. It was about being a sacrifice. And I would suggest to you this morning that God is calling the church to see themselves through the throne room where they became the redeemed of God. But when we became the purchased of God, something happened. Our identity changed. We were born with a royal lineage. We were born of a noble birth. And with that noble birth, we used authority. We used dominion in order to serve others and to serve God. And we live it as a priest who does what? A priest is a mediator between God and men. We pray and we, we become this priest to serve God and to serve men. But it gets all convoluted. Because who gets in the way? We get in the way. Come on. We get in the way. You know, you know, 
We live in a day, praise God, but we live in a day when people see preachers, pastors, and prophets. But I would suggest the world needs to see more priests, more authentic priests of God, offering themselves in service to others, offering themselves as a sacrifice to God and others. Because this is how priests live. Authentic priests live in the image of Christ. They live God first, others second, and me last. If you're going to be a priest in the image of God, this is how it goes. God first, you guys second, and I'm last. how Jesus lived. You see, when I see the picture in the throne room, I see myself post-Calvary. I see myself living this epoch of time set by the Father, inaugurated by Jesus. And now I know that I am the redeemed of the Lord. Prior to Calvary, I was not the redeemed of the Lord. And he purchased me, and he made me a king and a priest in his image to serve him But then, let me show you some cool things. There's something else that I just, I just love this image. Is now, you pray with heaven. How many know we do more than pray to heaven? Everybody's like, okay, where is he going now? I can see the, I I need that emoji that goes like this. First of all, let me say this. The Bible gives us a picture in Revelation 5 and in Revelation 8 that our prayers are special to God. How do I know that? Look what the Bible says. Go back up to verse 8. And when he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. How many of you know when God is putting something in a golden bowl, it's pretty important? The prayers of God's saints. Do you understand? Listen to me this morning. Do you understand where your prayers are going? They're being stored in heaven. Listen to me. They're not, they're not just going out and dying. They're so special to God that they're in God. I believe there are prayers of ancient saints that are in those bowls. Now, I thought it was interesting. I thought the interesting timing here, that here comes the lamb, the lamb that was slain, the lamb that became the intercessor, and now all of a sudden, here it is. The elders who are representative of redeemed men are holding golden bowls of prayers, which are God's people. The mere fact that they are golden bowls is special. But listen to me. The elders brought them as they fell in worship before the lamb that had been slain. But listen to me for a moment. But I do not believe the elders were interceding on our behalf. Because how many know the Bible says we have one mediator, Christ Jesus. One intercessor, Christ Jesus. But listen to me for a moment. But listen to me. I think it's interesting. Just, there could be a bit of a hypothesis here. Just humor me. That here, here they come. Here's Jesus, the lamb, the intercessor, who's taking his seat at the right hand of God. And here they come, now bringing the prayers of the saints to the only one worthy 
the only bona fide worthy intercessor, now bringing the prayers and say, here you are, intercede for us. You see, because prior to this, my intercessors were weak, failed humanity. But now there's one who is perfect and holy and worthy that's taking my, throne, my prayers to the throne of God. You see, I think when we pray, we pray in Jesus, through Jesus, and with Jesus. You say, well, how can I say such a thing? Do you understand, first of all, that when I pray according to the Spirit, I have to be praying with Jesus? Because how many of the Bible tells me that the Spirit searches the deep things of God? How many of the Bible tells me that the Spirit prays in accordance with the will of the Father? That I'm praying with the Son of God, the Lamb of God, who's at the right hand. I can pray with Him. Now listen to me. I think I can also not pray with Him. Oh, Lord, I need you to make me a billionaire tomorrow. I'm okay with that if he grants that. Maybe he will. Ha <laughs> ha. Have some fun then, baby. <laughs> but I want you to think about this for just a moment. Jesus said, when you pray, this is how you pray. Our Father. I'm praying with Jesus. The Bible says when two or three are gathered. The Bible says when any two or three agree on one thing. How many know I'm agreeing with the lamb who was slain? I'm agreeing with the one who's at the right hand of God. Listen to me this morning. I, I got to get, I gotta get you to get this. You're not just praying to Jesus. You are praying with him. There is power in praying with him. Now, how do you pray with him? I'll give you a couple easy ways to do it. Get your Bible out. Pick up the word of God. If you pray the word of God, you're praying with Jesus. How many know when you begin to intercede for your city, you're praying with Jesus? When you begin to pray for healing, you begin to pray for God to move, you're praying with him because that's his heart. But let's be honest for just a moment. Much of our prayer life is selfish. I should have said that. Because much of our prayer life is bless me, bless me, bless me. I want blessed, and I'm praying for blessing. Don't get me wrong. But I really know that when I'm praying for your blessing, and I'm praying for your salvation, and I'm praying for your deliverance, and I'm praying for a city, and I'm praying for a region, and I'm praying for bring, I know I'm praying with Jesus. And then it tells me that you and I, you, we sing. Oops, I got that one already. There we go. You sing with heaven. Yes. Come on. When I sing, I sound like an angel. Listen, I got, Palmy Reed said that, I'm pretty sure. That's a, isn't that how you interpreted that, Troy? Yeah. You sing with heaven. All right, let's think about this for a moment. Look at the song in heaven that heaven is singing. You are worthy. You were, like, listen to me this morning. When you are singing, worthy is the lamb. You are worthy. You are singing with heaven. All of heaven is giving him praise. 
You see, this new song that is being sung, you're worthy, you're slain, you purchased, I'm not atoned. This song honors the price of redemption. You were slain. This song honors the worker of redemption, that you redeemed us. It honors the destination. You've redeemed us to God. I'm not redeemed to heaven. I am redeemed to God. Get that in your spirit for a moment. You are redeemed to God now. You are not redeemed to heaven. You are redeemed to God. Most of us put our focus on getting to heaven when he's saying, I've, returned, I've redeemed you to the Father. I'm restored to the Father. If I'm restored to the Father, I'm going to heaven's a guarantee. The song honors the payment of redemption. You purchased us by your blood. It honors the scope of redemption from every tribe, every nation, every tongue. The result, and we shall reign upon the earth. I sing with heaven. But I also sing. I love this. I love this chapter. You sing with all of creation. How many know creation is singing? But the Bible tells me. See, at the end of that passage, it says this. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels, thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. I mean, that's a lot of angels. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and they sang in a loud voice, worthy is the lamb. Listen, if some days you don't know what else to sing, just sing worthy is the lamb. The lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory. And then I heard, listen to me, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them. How many know that's everybody? That's everybody. All of creation. Kind of weird, isn't it? Let me think it's weird. How many think it's weird whenever you're singing with a frog? Next time you tell me I sound like a frog, Troy, I'm going to tell you I'm worshiping God with creation. <laughs> and y'all like, you're a freak. No, I'm not. Read the Bible. All of creation groans. Groans. If it groans, how many know it can worship? Then uh, he, he says, and this is what they sang. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, to praise and glory and power forever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. You see, everything is different for you because of what he did on Calvary. But you need to see yourself through the throne room where he took his seat. Come on, Troy. Everybody said, praise God. I always see this glimmer of hope go off whenever I say that. This is a scene in heaven. And prior to, prior to Calvary, God's plan had not been fully put into effect. And now we are in that moment. Prior to Calvary, you and I were not the redeemed of the Lord. Prior to Calvary, you were not a king and priest. Prior to, do not pray with heaven, with Jesus. You see, but there's something I want to close with. 
that all of creation was singing a song and all of heaven was singing a song. But here's something I want you to grasp. That you have a song no angel can sing. You have a song no angel can sing. No angel in heaven can sing the song that you can sing. No cherubim, no seraphim can sing the song that only you can sing. Oh, they can sing, worthy is the lamb. And and they can sing, you are worthy. And they can sing of the Redeemer, but they cannot sing, my Redeemer. They cannot sing, my Redeemer. Because angels were not redeemed. Sinful man was redeemed. How many know this morning that you've got a song no angel can sing? You have something greater than any angel can sing. Do you understand this morning that he did not put his son on the cross for angels? He put his son on the cross for you and for I. And I got a song and you got to sing a song that no angel can sing. My Redeemer lives. Worthy is the Lamb. It's unbelievable. The Bible actually talks that the angels long to look into the things that you and I can look into. That they can't even look into these things of salvation like we can. Oh, you got a song. But the song out of your mouth will never flow until it comes out of the heart. Oh, you can sing words. I, I, I believe that not only do we have a song that we can sing, we got a song that we can live. That my life can be in tune with heaven. And I thought about this. You actually have a song that no other person can sing. I mean, my song's different than your song. Daniel sings a song. He can sing a song about being delivered from the lion's den. I can't. David couldn't. But David could sing a song about killing a giant. Remember what David said in Psalms? The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I'm helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoices and with my song I will praise him. You don't need a worship leader. Sorry. You don't need a worship leader. He died on the cross. You have a song. It comes out of your heart. You want to be led in worship? Allow your heart to lead you in worship. Allow the Spirit of God that lives inside of you. You won't need a worship leader. There's nothing wrong with them. We'll keep you on staff. But oh my, your song flows from redemption, not a screen. I told you a couple times, there's stuff in the the church world that drives me nuts. We argue over everything. We live in the the era of the referendum. Everything's a vote taken on it. I I see articles, why men don't go to church because they don't like the songs. Oh, stop it. I told you this before, men stop singing in church when the song stops in their heart. It has nothing to do with the screen. It has to do everything with here. When this stops, this stops. 
I don't need you to tell me to worship my God. I don't need, I got a song in me. And it may not be pretty, but it's there. And what happens is when you can't sing the song because the song's not resonating inside of you, then what happens is your mouth becomes a river of something that's unclean rather than clean. How in the world did I get this? This is not in the notes. I don't care what song. <laughs> there was a Facebook post. Do you like the surprise worship songs or do you like the plan? Do you like to know ahead of time? I don't care. I'm the time I like to screw up the plan. I, I don't care. That, 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 song, that, that screen doesn't make me worship. That man doesn't make me worship. Those songs don't make me worship. And, that's, and the singing is just a part of the worship anyhow. It's singing. It's worship and singing. My life is worship. Oh, but I got to go back to my point. But I got a song no angel can sing. I got a song that no angel can sing. Na 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 na. <laughs> I am such a freak. And I got a song that you can't sing. <laughs> And I got a tone that you can't sing. And I got a melody. I can sing them all. And I do in every, one, every song. I sing every melody in every song. Right, Troy? Yep. Oh, now you agree with me. <laughs> I clap off beat. Don't care. I don't sing good. Don't care. I make up my own words sometimes. Don't care. I change the words on screens. Don't care. I got an audience of one, baby. You got an audience of one. And you got a song. You got a song. Your song. Your song. It's your song. It's time today to change your song from gloom, despair, and agony on me to worthy is the Lamb. It's time that we, we change from all my exes live in Texas to I got a king on the throne. I kind of like that song. It's kind of catchy. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I'm almost done. Maybe. Listen to what the Bible, listen to what the psalmist says. He, everybody say he, put a new song in my mouth. <laughs> he put a new song in my mouth. He put a new song in my mouth. Watch this. He put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear. Whoa. Many will see it in fear? <laughs> I want you to see yourself through the throne room today. There was an epoch of time established by the Father inaugurated by Jesus and that was Calvary where he the lamb purchased me where he purchased you 
But he didn't purchase you to heaven. He purchased you to God. Because kings and priests were set apart to God. When you go into the Old Testament and you read it, they were set apart to God. You were set apart to God. And your noble calling is in service to God and service to man. And you are one of those who prays with heaven because of who your intercessor is. That you don't just pray to him, you're praying in, through, and with Jesus. Oh, I like praying with Jesus. And now, I sing a new song. I sing a new song. I've said so many things, he has no idea what song he's going to sing. I sing a new song based upon a new thing that he did. Oh, oh, trust me, folks. Yeah, we say 2,000 years ago. It might have been 2,000 years ago, but how many know there was thousands of years prior to that? And this new song, I sing with heaven, and I can sing with creation, but oh my, I got a song no angel can sing. Because I got the song of redemption. I'm the redeemed of the Lord who put a new song in my mouth. If I was a little better singer, I might even start singing. Are you hearing me this morning? Are you hearing me this morning? Do you see who you are through the throne room? Do you see who you are? It's who you are. we got to live up to our calling. Man, we got to live up to our calling. Man, we got to live up to it. Because with Calvary came a calling. And I read, and I'm, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> Is that two closings or three? I lost count. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> When I read the book of Acts, I see a people living out this image of what I just preached to you. I see a people that were purchased by God. And they were purchased and they knew who they were. And they knew that they were to be ones who were called to be kings and priests. Follow them through the book of Acts where they would selflessly give themselves, where they were willing to be martyred, they were willing to die, they were willing to serve, they were willing to go shipwrecked, they were willing to go without food, they were willing to go through anything. Why? Because they weren't saved to heaven, they were saved to God. They were redeemed to God. They were not living about self, they were living about Him. They were living out the royal law, which was to love their neighbor as their self. And they endured hardship and they endured persecution. And they watch them, and, and then you watch them, and they prayed. They didn't just pray to heaven, they prayed with heaven. They prayed with heaven. The Holy Spirit came down, and I gotta tell you something the Holy Spirit's always present. And all I gotta do is recognize Him. He's always present. I don't have to coax Him, He's always present. I have to recognize Him. 
And they prayed, and they prayed with heaven. And the walls shook and gates shook. And I see a church that would sing in the midst of prison. You know, Paul and Silas are in a prison. They didn't have a worship leader. But at midnight, they began to praise their God because they had a song that did not originate on a screen. They had a song that did not originate in another person's heart. They had a song that originated in their heart because of what their Redeemer did. Oh, church, I hope you're hearing me this morning. Well, I know you're hearing me. I kind of make a lot of noise. Come on. See yourself through the throne room. Join with creation. Join with heaven. But sing that song that no angel can sing. Come on, Troy. What are we singing, Troy? And I'll tell you if I like it or not. No. I want to go. I know. We'll sing that one in a moment. That is like literally what you just said. (laughs) I know. I know. You're right. But I want to join heaven. What? I want to join heaven. I want to sing with heaven for a moment. And then we'll sing what heaven can't sing. Okay. Okay? All right. At least what angels can't sing. Come on. I want you to picture this this morning. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands, tens upon thousands of angels singing. Worthy. We'll sing. We sang it last week. Don't care. Because you know what? We're going to sing stuff over and over in heaven sometimes. I want us to sing, worthy is that lamb. I know we sang it last week. Don't care. No, no, we're going to change gears. No. We're going to sing worthy of it all. What is all? What is all? I asked you that question this morning. Worthy of it all. What is all? Right here. I'm going to say this morning, he's worthy of it all. I'm going to give him all. I'm going to give him all. Come on, stand up with me. I'll keep talking if you don't stand up. Watch this. She was trying to sneak by. I just figured I'd give her a high five on the way. Listen to me this morning. This isn't a rah-rah sermon. This is, this is rah-rah life. You might be here today. And you might be saying to yourself, you know, how, how, how do I make sure I walk into that redemption that Jesus died for? The Bible gives a prescription on how that happens. The Bible says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. It's not easy. Don't make this complicated this morning. I don't need you to jump through ten hoops this morning. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and you're justified. And it's your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Your mouth will speak it. Amen. 
And anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. And so, Father, all across this room this morning, I believe there are people that are saying with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe there are many in this place who are believing with their heart that you raised them from the dead. And Father, if that's them, they are saved. They are saved. They are the redeemed. They are what we spoke about this morning. And now may their heart join with our hearts and all of our hearts coming together and singing this song of redemption. This song that no angel can sing. That my Redeemer, my Redeemer, my Redeemer. They can sing your Redeemer. And they can sing all about him being our Redeemer. But oh my, oh my, they cannot say my Redeemer. And this morning we have the ability and the honor and the privilege to say, my Redeemer lives. My Redeemer. My Redeemer. Come on, Troy, sing that.